I'm Kevin, and welcome to my podcast, Finding My Freedom, where we talk about following our passions in life, what gets us up in the morning, what do we love to do, what are the things that we have to do, and how can we balance both of them to feel like we are flying in our life. Now, if you're just finding this on my YouTube channel, welcome. I decided it would be a good idea to start posting these musician interviews from my podcast on the YouTube channel. Now, there's no video, it's strictly audio, so I will have different things for, say, video purposes, but... It's just going to be one of those listening things. So, like, if you do other things, like if you're driving or if you're working in your shop or, you know, whatever you're doing that's other than sitting there watching this, this might be a great place to check out and just chill. I know there's a few times on YouTube where I find these uh, podcasts where I don't really I don't really watch it anyway. I just listen. So, so welcome. We're on your typical uh, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and all that stuff too, which is just a normal, normal thing. I'll also put a link to the Spotify podcast if you're curious uh, about other topics that we talk about on there. It all has to do with creativity though and, and, and how we can feel like we're free in our lives and still you know, have to deal with the responsibilities of being an adult and, you know, taking care of business. <laughs> so, I hope you all dig it and uh, thanks for having a listen. So, my next guest is a kindred spirit of sorts. We don't know each other in real life, and I met him through this wonderful artist named Sunny Leilani. She's introduced me to a bunch of wonderful people from uh, Minnesota that happened to actually be mild stomping ground. So, um, she told me about this steel guitar player that I should talk to, and that uh, we would probably have a really great conversation. So she gave me his info and um, come to find out he does restorations of old steel guitars and tells their stories, in which I just thought that was wonderful. Like, oh, what a wonderful thing to do, you know? You resurrect these instruments that people absolutely adored and loved in their lifetime, and there's a connection between the person and the instrument. And, you know... Since I've recently been involved in Lou 3, I really felt like it would be a great, great, this would be a great place for him to uh, tell his story. And uh, come to find out, we had a lot more in common than, than I initially had uh, thought about. <laughs> Turns out we went to the same music school. Uh, just two years apart. I went in 96 to a school called McNally School of Music, but it was music tech at the time in Minneapolis. And he went in 98. After school, 
I ended up playing full-time for a while, and he did the same. And it's just pretty amazing the uh, similarities that we ran just a couple years apart in the same part of the country even, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> But we never, like, met, but, you know, our paths had to have crossed at certain points in time, you know, just through meeting several people and stuff. So I found, I found it really, really interesting, and uh, the fact that... Uh, he found uh, a world of repair, uh, a wonderful thing like I had. Um, it's just pretty cool. So in this episode, there's going to be a lot of like uh, reflecting and, and, and talking about how we tried to make our way in this world of uh, music back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But it also will talk about his uh, passion for uh repairing the steel guitars and all that stuff too so he goes by justy and the instagram is pedal steel revival hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you on the other side thanks hey justy how you doing man it's great to have you here thanks for having me yeah man i've been looking forward to this conversation for a little while now um, do you want to just start from the beginning of your steel guitar journey and, uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, starting at the beginning is always a good way to do it. Uh, goes a little ways back, but, uh, not so far back that <laughs> it's going to bore everybody. <laughs> okay. First of all, I got to say, I got to say a couple things real quick though. Um, when I saw your profile now, Sonny and Mel both turned me on to your profile. And, oh, okay. And when I saw your profile, I was really, really excited because I build guitars, right? And so so seeing how you restore and tell stories about uh, your steel guitars that you repair and, and build, I was absolutely thrilled to be able to get to talk to you, man. So oh, I just love it. I appreciate it. Thank, thanks. I, uh, I just... I. I just truly love to do it. Uh, I've been doing it for well. I've been I've been fixing stuff most of my life, and uh, I've been you know a musician for most of my life. Started playing fiddle when I was real young. Uh, switched over to guitar, and put a lot of time in on the sixth string. And uh, it all started back when I got my first steel. I was never really into country until I got a steel guitar from. Uh, an older gentleman who was, uh, oh, he was, his health was failing and um, he was looking to pass off his instruments to someone who would appreciate them. And he actually kind of vetted me for quite a while on whether or not he'd actually even sell it to me. And when he did pass away afterwards, that's when it really hit home and took off. Wow, that, uh, what are those, are those tuned to an E9? Is that what that is? Uh, yeah, typically with the single necks, they're tuned to an E9, uh, E9 chord. Uh, the double necks usually have an E9 in front and then a C6 in the back. Oh, okay, yeah, C6, that's the other one I was thinking of, okay. Yep. So how long, uh, how long... How long did you play guitar for, and were you pretty serious about it uh, in your younger years then? Well, I 
I played violin all through, you know, school and um, from like third grade on up to 12th grade. I took that fairly serious, always being in the school orchestras and whatnot. And I did some playing outside of the school orchestras. Uh, my dad, who's a rocker, got me a guitar when I was like 16, 17. And that was it. I mean, I took right, to, I was never the greatest on the violin, but I took right to the guitar. You know, always, you know, growing up with all the rock and everything, my dad. And uh, I went right off to music tech, actually. Uh, so I went to school. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. It? yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if you did. I went right no, off I to did. music I graduated in 1996 from music uh, tech. I graduated in oh, 99, probably, I guess. Yeah, with Cliff, was a Cliff Witchtruck and uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. and Daly. And yeah, dude, I, I went oh, to the same yeah. freaking school, man. I, <laughs> I, they literally, like, they, I graduated and, and got, they recommended me for gigs and stuff. And I went and started playing right away. I, I stayed in Minneapolis for five years. Cool. Yeah, no, that's great, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I did that right away, and I actually uh, did. I, I, can't, I actually did the jazz circuit, the piano lounge jazz circuit, pretty hardcore. Oh, nice. nice. I was on the country. Uh, did the fairs, casinos, and festivals for about two years. Oh, nice! Awesome. That's way cool. Yeah, right I when they started like uh, uh, they started building up all those casinos out in the middle of nowhere in North and South Dakota. You know. Okay. And they were bringing bands out there and paying really good money. You get comp for meals and, you know, obviously a nice room and all that. And you you drive for hours and not see a freaking car or anything anywhere. Then all of a sudden, you roll <laughs> up and there's lights everywhere. And like, <laughs> I've heard know, about that. Yeah, like 200 miles from nothing, you know, in the middle of South Dakota. And there's just lights and everything everywhere. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But I mean, it was a good, it was a, it was a living, you know. It was decent. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. I bet you it was fun times you miss, at least some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, that kind of experience you don't you you can't get any other way, right? Like, I mean, it's just nope. it's just nope. like you said, doing the jazz circuit. Like, you just it's just, just it. that. Yeah. It's you don't get it other than just by doing it for for any length of time, you know. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It, it got to, uh, I was playing with a good friend named John Duvall, and we were doing uh, the casino thing and all the, other, all the other jazz lounges. And we had a couple of residencies. We were down at Murray's for a long time on the weekends. And I, if somebody would have told me in my teens or even early 20s that at some point I would have, you know, 2,000 plus jazz songs memorized, I'd be like, no way, get out of here, rock and roll. Right. I'm not doing that, you know. No, 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 no. But no, man, I, I, I loved it. I miss it a lot. I still talk to John. And um, so, yeah, so I started right off of music tech playing quite a bit. I mean, making a pretty, you know, a, a fair living with music. Um, yeah. But my love for cars was pretty huge, too. I ended up being a mechanic for a long time. And that's, that's how I kind of ended up putting the two together. Um, I've always been a repairman of sorts, and I went and uh, graduated as an automotive repair technician. And I was getting, my first deal was used and it was pretty bad and it was just up to me to fix. I didn't know, I called around town, I couldn't find anybody. I didn't know hardly anybody that played. And so I just really relied on my knowledge of uh, automobile repair and just started fixing them up myself. And I've always done a lot of woodworking and handyman work 
uh, and whatnot. So any kind of woodworking or anything else, plus my knowledge of instruments and such, um, it all just kind of came together and just kind of naturally started doing it. And I loved it so much, I just didn't stop. Still haven't. That's awesome. So how long have you been playing steel pretty serious for? Uh, I would say I must have got my first steel was it now 2023 probably probably about 10 years ago probably right around yeah 2012 2013 when i got my first student model emmons which i still have and is still my number one the the most played one i've, I've gotten it upgraded since um clem schmitz who's a legend in repair i met him a while back and he upgraded it to uh, uh, four knee levers three pedals into a professional little steel with a student model. It's nice, it's light, and uh, it's, that's the one I bought from John Gillis before he passed. Nice. Well, yeah, we're kindred souls. We gotta be, dude, because, like, <laughs> that's kind of how I ended up doing guitars, too. Like, uh, over the years between uh, working construction and playing music, I finally put the two together about six years ago, and then in 2020, I went to a school called Roberto Venn School of Luthery in okay. Arizona. And I've been building guitars ever since, too. So it's funny. It's, it's like the same story, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. I guess, yeah, I was going to mention earlier, I didn't realize that you were doing that. Um, I knew you were a musician, obviously, and doing the podcast. I didn't know you were into building them and everything. I didn't hear that from Mel or Sonny. That's great. I got to check that out. Yeah, that's what hired me to, or well, that's how I ended up in Austin was... Uh, they um they go to that school and so i'm 51 right and i went to back to i went to that school at 48 you know but um okay this company called collings guitars they handpicked people to come work for them from these schools like that right and so sure. yeah they offered me a job and helped me move out here and everything man it was pretty cool Jeez, that's awesome so are are you working for yourself still working for collings now or are you well i worked for collings for about a year and then um I hurt my back. The uh, the concrete, uh, 50 hours a week on the concrete, screwed my back all up. So, <laughs> so right That'll now, I'm kinda, yeah, so I had to go back to working uh, handyman stuff because it's on a different surface and I'm not standing all the time. And you know what I mean? And so yep. I kind of had to go back to doing different things. And so now I'm just working on my, I'm building on my own. I'm working on my YouTube channel and doing the podcast, which is an awful lot, plus working full time. But, um, yeah, it just didn't work out, but it was a great company, and they were so awesome, man, and and they loved me, too. You know, I mean, I never missed work. I always loved going, dude. It was like going to Santa's workshop, man, every day. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I love that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just freaking awesome. Same thing with that school over there. They, uh, uh, It was like, you know, as a kid, anything that I had ever dreamed of, like, a woodworking place to be, and I'm building freaking guitars, man. You're you know building what I mean? guitars. Like, yeah. yeah. That's a Plus, like, you know this. We, we belong to a, a very small club of people that have built their own instruments and taken to a gig and played them. You know what I mean? Like, Yes. That yes. is like, I mean, it's you, you can't even. It's such an incredible feeling, man. <laughs> it, it's, and it, I guess for me, it's, it's actually kind of a double um Oh, I, I have two missions. When I whenever I finish a steal, um, I, I want to just you know I want to keep the player, 
before me, um, still enveloped in all the player wear and everything like that. I want to keep that with the steel. But before I ever send a steel out or sell it, I always try to take it to one or two gigs, you know. Right. And a lot of times they need they, they need to settle in. They always need a little bit of adjustments. You know, you got everything stretching and moving again and whatnot. And that's always the toughest part because you bring it to a gig and it plays, you know, hope in yeah. theory, it plays great and you love it. It's like, man, I don't want to sell this thing. Right, right. <laughs> but you want to enjoy what you did and give it a shot. And I always... You know, a, a big deal with musical instruments is never gig, never gig, you know? And I have the exact opposite. Like, I've brought it to gigs and made it through gigs. If it bombed, it bombed at mine, but it's going to make it through yeah. yours. <laughs> so well, I'll sell it to you. Well, you know as well as I do. We both went to music tech, and the the whole point of going there was so we could play gigs, man. It was that was the, that was the life, dude. That's all I lived for. Was I mean, I didn't care. I played on a flat flatbed truck in a, in a field in the middle of Minnesota for fifty bucks. I didn't care. I was playing, yep. You know, I'll do it right now. Every, yep, playing every weekend, every chance I got for twenty years, man. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah, I know there's a lot of people, though, that don't, you know, they just sit in their basement with this stuff. But, man, it's just there. There is a lot to be getting out there and playing it and using it, you know? Yeah. And I I try to remember that, you know, not everybody wants to get on that stage and things like that um, and what have you. And and I do kind of tend to push the, you know, get this instrument back out there playing and on stage. But, you know, playing at home, writing uh, music and everything else is is just as amazing and great but i do just yearn to be on that stage for any reason yeah for sure so um how often are you playing are you playing now and did um did you have a a dip in your in your gigging from covid and stuff yeah covid uh so i've been playing with um, one particular buddy of mine, Eric Christensen, I'd been playing with him for a long time. We were in a rock band before, and he was actually playing bass in it. And he decided that he was going to go off on his own. I didn't realize that he was such a great multi-instrumentalist and singer. And I ditched the band, too, and followed him. And we put a couple of different incarnations of a group together. Um, doing a lot of blues stuff, working band. Uh, he's an amazing, amazing singer. And so we went down that route, did really well, built it up. And COVID came, like everybody, you know. COVID came and we went down to a duo. And then in the middle, you know, you could have three people on stage. Well, what are you going to do with three people? So we kept going with the duo. And then towards the end, um, you know, you could have a full band again, but everybody was used to just having duos, the clubs, their hours, uh, the, the, the pricing. So we tried to start the band back up, but we had been doing a duo for so long that we got pretty dang good at it. And we had so many gigs lined up as that little act. And we said, forget it. So we just kept doing that. And that turned out great. I mean, he started getting Mel's. Uh, managing him uh, he was we we're getting radio spots the whole bit um, I actually messed up my finger last December from playing so much this last summer and I'm actually on a little break right now oh yeah 
Yep. So we went from really kicking it and rolling with this duo. I mean, he was playing over well over 20 gigs a month, um, at least half of them with me. And we played so much, I blew out my ring finger on my right hand uh, last December. And he wanted to take a little break anyway for the winter. Cool. That sounds like fun. So you guys going to be pretty busy this summer then? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I got to actually give Eric a call. We're, I'm not sure if we're going to, I don't know if he's going to go in a different direction now with the break and all the craziness of COVID. And then we just kind of morphed just on our own. It, it gets, you get, you know, you get a little burnt out doing the same thing for three years, two guys, same songs. And so right. we, were, we were supposed to get back in like April or May, but um I don't know. I got to give him a shout. We might just regroup all together and go in a different route. Or, Are you guys backing up Sonny too? Uh, yeah. I, well, I am. I do back up Sonny uh, with uh, my brother Ty. He's usually playing bass and singing. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's that's been really fun. She, well, she's been here for a little while now, a handful of months. Um, I recorded on her album that she did with him at Oh My Studios. And that was really fun because that started off very raw, very stripped down uh, versions of her songs, just her in an acoustic. And with his direction and her ideas together, uh, they morphed it into something unbelievable. It's I cannot when I go back and listen to what it came from and do the A-B comparison, it'll just blow your mind what he was able to do with it. So you're Ty's brother then. Okay, now I now I yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if I sound a little bit like discombobulated about the whole situation, but I just wasn't sure. I thought Ty's brother was somebody else. But yeah, he told me you went to music tech and stuff. So that makes yeah, perfect sense. No, that's great. Yeah. Great to meet you finally. I didn't realize that you were I thought you were you were so you know, one of their friends. You know what I mean? Like you know how <laughs> Gotcha. It goes. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, it, uh Ty is he's uh my older brother, and he's always been, you know, kind of my my musical brother in arms too. And we do the Oh My Studios. It's mostly his deal, and I just kind of tend to be his guitar puppet, <laughs> right? I suppose. Yeah. So. Yeah, the record sounds great. I, I've been uh, Sonny's been coming on the show and talking about the the album since they started it. And oh. So, and so we've got like four episodes on here where it shows from the demo version of things. Oh, you got that stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's all it's all uh, documented. To um, cool. You know what I mean. And so for each episode, she introduced me to some of the newer mixes and the newer stuff. You know what I mean. So sweet. You could actually hear from the first to the last. You know, and plus Ty and them, they. Um, we we I did like I played like three or four songs when they when they came on too. Killer. So, um, yeah, so it was really really cool. I knew that you had done an interview with Mel, but I didn't realize you're doing the whole Sunny thing until now. Nobody oh, yeah. nobody gave me the shout out. What the heck? Sunny was the, she's the one. She's how I met all you guys. Was oh, she show. is. Uh, Sunny listened to one of my podcasts. Uh, we met through, uh, believe it or not, it was a tarot channel on YouTube. I apply, I, I replied to one of the one of the the readings in there, 
Sunny saw that and she clicked out of my thing, which had my podcast on it, and listened to a podcast and then said, I want to come on your podcast. And I had never had a guest on yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was like, sure, yeah. So we, we set it all up and she did that. And then we started talking about the record more. And then I had a couple other people that wanted to come on the podcast. And then she introduced me to Ty and to Mel and to you and to, uh, you know, all you guys, and, and it turns out y'all are from Minnesota, which I have, you know, a huge affinity for anyway. You know what I mean? So it's just crazy. Right. It's it's home base. So basically, she's she's been like kind of rallying everybody around this whole thing, you know, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. I, I had no idea. I actually met. I actually met Mel through Eric. I had fixed up this deal that I'd picked up down out of Iowa. And it wasn't from a deceased player or anything, but uh, it was this gentleman who had had it in his closet for like 10 years or something like that, a, a very long time, over a decade. And it was pretty musty and it was pretty crusty. And it's actually one of the first pictures on my website that you can see it. I, that was the first one I really went through, stripped down, cleaned up, and it was just a night and day difference. And... Mel came to one of our gigs and she always takes uh, photos, you know, she a lot of great photography from her. I said, Hey, you know, I just got done with this deal and you know, I'd like to hire you to come take photos of it. I'm going to put it up for sale. And so we got to talking about it and we set up a time and she came over and I actually had a few steals at the time that I wanted to sell. Oh, I'll get a few of them out and, um, you know, we'll do a whole little photo shoot of like three, four of them. I think it was. And, Mel is so great. She's a, she inspires people very well, very easily. And as I started started setting up these steals, I was just talking like I do, talking, and I was telling, <laughs> and I was telling her the stories of the different steals that I had. I did have one from a player who had passed, and another one that was an interesting story. And I was setting up this particular one that I was real proud of that I cleaned up. And I guess, to my surprise, I, I didn't realize how excited she would get over all these stories. And she was one who really pushed me into um, doing this whole thing. And she just, at one point, just exclaims, like, you got to tell these stories to everybody, to the world. P people need to hear this stuff. Like, nobody does this. And I was like, oh... I didn't take her real serious. I was like, oh yeah, that is, you know, that would be cool or whatever. And I kept telling the stories and we were just yapping, taking pictures. And and the more she went, um, the more we talked about it, I guess. When I started telling her out loud what I've been doing, she really came up with the whole plan for me and said that this needs to be out there. These players need to be remembered. Uh, these are all stories that people would love and cherish, but don't get to hear. And people need to hear them. The world does. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And she made me a whole platform and just took everything I've been doing and everything that I love and put it all together for me. And I've just been trusting her since. It's been going great.
Well, that's incredible, man. You know, you're doing all this work on on the website for your blog and everything. Do you have you ever thought about like doing a podcast? Because I think it'd be pretty awesome for you to be able to tell your stories through audio too, and like come full circle with the whole thing. You know? God, I guess I honestly never even would have thought of that, but it sounds really fun. Probably could be. Pre- I'm actually in the middle of a story right now that's actually. Uh, a pretty epic one of Kenny Photo, and uh, maybe I should kick it off with that because it's uh, pretty involved with lots of great pictures that Mel got and everything. Yeah, dude. I mean, with uh, Ty, you guys could have one heck of a production too. I think it would be brilliant. Yeah, I can see that. God, yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. I would, I would love to actually tell the story as opposed to typing it. I guess I never thought of it like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be totally, like, right up your alley, dude. <clears throat> yeah, that's actually... I'm going to talk to Mel about that right away. And Ty. So, when you went to music tech, did you have any mentors? Like, any uh, teachers that you really looked up to? My favorite was um, uh, Kevin Daly. God, I love that guy, man. Dude, Kevin Daly was that good, not dry... Com- not dry comedy but he just had that nice <laughs> everything out of his mouth was like comedic in a way you know he could freaking play and he did he had that sense of humor that was just sort of off kilt it's like yes like, yeah you didn't realize it was coming from him you know what i mean <laughs> yeah exactly it's like, yeah, every time every class you, you know it was gonna be so he's always in a good mood <laughs> yeah but a phenomenal player, man, and like the books he wrote them, them the books, uh, you know, the simple books or whatever. Yep, yeah, he had that whole. I didn't even realize at the time that we were going there. Um, he, I, I, I want to say he had like a. Sorry, total offshoot. Didn't he have like a big band or something that he played in? He had like some kind of like he had like a like a like an old school big band type of thing he did or something. I can't remember. I know so remember, he was, yeah. I mean, he was a huge jazz guy. I mean, yeah, he was like one of the, yeah, he had like some big, but yeah, he had the, those books and whatnot. And yeah, and he, I remember one of the other students were like, dude, you got to go see Kevin Daly's big band. They're like, what? Big band? They're like, yeah, like old school big band, like big band. Like, yeah, I ended what? up like, um, I took lessons. I took. Le- I would. I, he was my private lesson teacher for for most of the time there. I also took lessons from a guy named Steve Morgan, but he was gone by the time you got there. Oh. Anyway, I ended up like going to Kevin's house for a while too and taking lessons from him. Oh, his, sweet. House too, you know. So. Damn. Yeah, the guy was just. Uh, at the end of school, I had thought about going to University of North Texas, which is funny. I'm here in Austin. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had intentions of trying to go to that school, and he was gonna refer me and everything. And so I was like studying as much as I could, try to get up to speed with. You know, my reading was horrible and different things like that. You know how it is. And uh, I never did go. I just went on the road instead. You know, but uh, yeah, just went for it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, he's he was great, man. <laughs> Neil, I, I, what was the other guy? Neil, blonde-headed guy, Neil, something. It, Neil. Yep, Neil, because uh, he was my private teacher. God, what is his last name? He he played in the R Factor. Neil. Uh, yeah, R Factor, yep, a classic rock guy. 
and uh, yep. his, his buddy, the bass player, Dan Breeze. Yep. God, what was his last name? That's going to drive me crazy. Yeah, he was my private teacher. That guy was pure rock and roll. Actually, my favorite music tech story was of him. We had a uh, blues class, right? And so whatever, blues class, we're learning our pentatonics and that kind of stuff. And Neil, I would go see Neil. You know, he played a lot at that time. You know, he was he was out gigging and, and the whole bit, he was hitting it hard. And you could tell, you know, sometimes he'd come in, he was out, you know, gigging all night. He'd be a little rough or whatever. And he came in one day and <laughs> he goes, okay, you guys, uh, blues class. And he was kind of, you know, not talking real smooth. Blues class, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're gonna, well, he can't really teach you the blues. It's just something you have. So we're gonna watch this Jimi Hendrix video. He popped it and he popped it in. It, he turned off the lights and immediately just sat down and put his head down on the desk and went to sleep. <laughs> I remember sitting there, I was like, you know, whatever, you know, paying, a, you know, this class is probably a hundred and some bucks, you know, for this hour or whatever. I was like, I'm paying a hundred bucks. Right. I don't even care, man, because that is true rock and roll right there. Yep. Can't teach the blues. It's just something you have. So we're going to watch this Jimmy Hendrix, Hendrix video, and he just went straight to snoring. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Honestly, though, I thought it was great. The uh, the leader of the bass department, Terry, he hired me to play rhythm guitar at a studio gig three months into school, and I was playing rhythm guitar behind Neil and Dan and, and Terry and uh, who's the drummer? There was the, was the drummer teacher, and here I was. I was like freaking the, you know, freaking out. Like, dude, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know what I mean? But he he just asked me one day. He said, "Do you want to come play this thing for us?" And I said, "Sure." He goes, "I can't pay you or anything." I said, "I don't care." You know, like, <laughs> can I pay you? The studio, like a professional studio, and everything. He ended up paying me fifty bucks. He said, "Dude, you didn't want." And like here nice. you go here's 50 bucks and you know and um damn i ended up uh at the end of school year playing with a steady gig and um our bass player had to do something else and the guy that was running the band had dan come and play and i played a couple gigs with dan breeze too and so like you know it was just great that like we're we're actually they brought us up to that point to where we were gigging with them you know what i mean they were very good at focusing on turning out working musicians you know, yep, man. That music tech, I thought, you know, that's that was really deal. Taking those jazz classes and getting that real book, and then I started doing all those, you know, the the jazz in the lounge piano lounge circuit yeah. and everything like that. It's just like, man, I was, I wouldn't have even known what a real book was if I saw it in a store, and I wouldn't have cared. Dude, that's if, a uh, hell of a that's a hell of an accomplishment, man. Because like I remember taking jazz class, and I went to Terry, the bass player guy, and I was like, dude. I don't think I can. I, I don't think I can do this, man. Like these guys are so much killer player. He goes, relax, man. Just relax. This is for learning. You don't have to know it. You know what I mean? Like, God, I mean, it was so overwhelming, you know. But he was so cool about it. I mean, he just was like, dude, just we're here to learn it, and you're gonna learn it just fine, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. That was awesome. Yep, I miss those days. They were they were fun. I'd love to go back and do it all again. Yeah, and you were uh, you were at the old the old building too, right? Where they had um, yeah uh, bunkers was right down the road, right? 
Yep, bunkers right down the road. Uh, free buffet at Deja Vu across yep. the street. Did you uh, did you uh, go to Monday night to Mambo's Combo? I'll, yep. We oh, yeah. go every week, man. We'd go all the my little circle. Yeah. We'd go every week and watch go watch Billy play. Oh, man, so fun! Such killer musicians, dude. <laughs> I'll never forget one time I was uh, had this one friend, uh, this one buddy. Oh, I haven't talked to him in a while. His name's time was Jason Fox, and uh, he, he's kind of more straight edge. And we went down to uh, a bunch of us guys. We're gonna go down to uh, Cuzzy's up the street there and get lunch or whatever. And you know that's kind of a you know hole in the wall type of bar, yeah. you know. And we all, we all sit down at the table, and the waitress comes up, and everybody's ordering a drink. What do you want, hun? What do you want, hun? You know, and everybody's you know I'll have a beer, I'll have a cocktail or whatever. My buddy was he's sitting there, he's looking at the menu, and he looked up and he goes, I don't see milk on the menu. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was like an episode of a sitcom or something. Everybody in that bar just stopped and turned and stared at him. <laughs> I was like, oh God, oh God. Uh just dude, just just order a beer or, or something I'll, I'll i'll drink it for you i'll drink it for you he's like he'll he'll have a beer he'll have a beer and a shot of whiskey and he just bring him a water or something you know it's like dude you can't you can't be doing that this was that's not cool there was uh i can't remember the name of the place there was a little restaurant a couple blocks up over there that i used to valet i um on friday and saturday nights um I would go there after after because I took the I lived in Northeast Minneapolis off of Fillmore. We'd take the okay. bus in and go to school, and then on Friday and Saturdays, I would go work at this little restaurant and park cars, and I'd make you know two hundred dollars in a night just from tips for being a valet. Damn. So that's all I had to do was was just um, those two nights. I made 400 bucks a week and, and I only had to work those two nights. And so I had the rest of the time for school, you know? Dude, that's, that's killer. I mean, especially at that time in the nineties yeah. yeah. for, for a guy going to school down there, 400 bucks a week, you were crushing yeah, it. I mean, you know, obviously like it would vary, but for the most part, I mean, I was able to work two days a week and still go to school and everything and not kill myself, you know? We had uh, one bass player in my year. Uh, good bass. Actually, he started off, I think, in the drum classes, and then he moved over to bass for whatever reason. And he was real down because he didn't have the money. He had moved here, and he didn't have the money. And um, he was about out of everything and had to drop out. And he took what cash he had left, and he went to the casino. And he won. He won, like, I forget what it was. It was like... Five, six hundred bucks it was enough to keep him back in school, to keep him going for the next semester. And we're all, you know, real happy, cool, you made it, oh, lucked out, high fives all around, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, except for the next semester came, and he got low on funds. And he said, oh, well, I'll just go to the casino again. And lost it. <laughs> it lost yeah. everything and had to move away. It's like, dude... <laughs> You were supposed to get a job or make sure that you weren't in that situation again. You don't yeah. just go to the casino and pick up money. It's like, well, I just just thought it would work out. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, that was your chance to that was your chance to make sure that you were able to stay and figure out how <laughs> to stay for the rest of the time. You know? <laughs> yeah, you got the lifeline, and then uh, 
you ask for another one, it just doesn't pan out. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So how did you end up getting into music tech anyway? Because I, I seriously had only had a guitar for like two or three years. I mean, I could read music very well. Um, I, I understood music theory from all my years of violin and everything. Right. Um, I had the ear and all that stuff from all that training, but I, I couldn't hardly play much anything on guitar at the time. But I had a star student as a guitar teacher for those three years uh, named Brooke Krieger. Uh-huh. And that guy could shred a guitar like no one's freaking business. He was, I mean, he he was at all the, uh, just all the music tech events and things like that. Still after he left, he was still really, really involved. Oh. Uh, he was good friends with all of them. And I really, really, really wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to, uh, you know, play music. And I asked Brooke, he came down with and basically said, this is my student. It's not not the greatest, but give him a chance. And that's the only reason they let me in, because I was real green. Yeah, but the whole point was to use that year we were there to build our skill level up and to start playing gigs. You know, when I went, that was my whole hope was like, man, you know, I'm not going to squander this opportunity. I'm going to do whatever I can to learn. And my theory wasn't all that great, but what I ended up doing is like, putting the emphasis on learning it and so it ended up by the end it ended up being my one of my strongest subjects just because oh you know just because i like literally i mean i played in band i played a, a violin for a year and then i played a trumpet in band for three years and i started playing guitar and um and i studied jazz theory you know but i, I was a kid and so i was confused a lot you know what i mean and, and i kind of sure and i didn't feel like i was smart enough for it you know in a lot of ways but uh so I just put an emphasis on learning it and ended up being one of my strongest subjects, you know, but that's awesome. But yeah. And, Cause and so they did too. They, I mean, they literally, I mean, they literally, I got this gig with this guy named Jimmy Slavinsky. Now he wasn't a very great player, but he was a working musician and he needed a guitar player. And my uh, Steve Morgan, one of my guitar teachers introduced me to the guy and I started playing with him and we were playing all over town. And then I did a couple other gigs. I started getting calls for fill-in gigs, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, it was just pretty low-key stuff. But still, it was money earned playing music after school. I mean, I literally credit music tech as, like, the kickstart I needed that. You know how they you say you sequester yourself for about a year and really work mm -hmm. on chops and stuff? And that's kind of how it worked for me, you know. Like, I really buckled down and... and uh, took it serious as i could you know yeah and, and i never at the time with music tech kind of like you're talking is i didn't i didn't really understand what what it really meant to be a working musician you know to, to me that term was just foreign you know working musician to me that's being in an all-star band and you're out on tour cutting records and being famous and making gigs i never understood that you know when i started playing in the casinos and doing that jazz lounge stuff it's just like this is it this is what being a working musician is i love it i'm out here learning playing getting paid pretty well you know i would almost do it for free a lot of times and i really fell in love with being that working musician and getting that call hey we have nobody this weekend you know yeah. week out can you learn these tunes and fill in and then you do it and that sense of accomplishment like that 
Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. Is so it's so good. It's like um, I remember I've I've like freaked out a couple times. I got hired for a couple of really nice bands. I mean, um, I can't remember their names right now, but they were they were decent cover bands, a decent size or whatever. And the one one of the guitar players that I was replacing, I had got the permanent gig, and I was replacing him, and he quit short notice. So uh, two days before, the guy, the leader of the band says, I'm going to send you some tapes. You know, we're going to do some rehearsals and work you in about three weeks. Well, you'll be you'll be covering him full time. Two days later, he calls me up. Well, we need you this weekend. Just do the best you can. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> now, this is a tight, a tight dance band. You know what I mean? And so I literally went through 60 songs, and I just did what we what we were taught to do. I charted out what I needed to, made my notes when I needed to, and did all that shit. And, like, I didn't worry about solos note for note at this point. I just played the song yep. where they said solo, you know, that sort of thing. Pulled it off, and the guy was like floored he said man he said i i cannot believe how good that went you know and it was just from the tools that they taught us you know well and obviously your natural ability to be flexible you know what i mean like sure when you're when you're filling in though you you got to do that you don't necessarily play everything note for note because you're you never rehearsed with anybody you're just getting through the getting through the gig and and making fooling the public you know yeah, and it's it, it's amazing when you go and le- you learn all those different styles of music or genres or things like that. Um, you know, it it all comes back together. It all it all becomes part of you. What you take from all of those things. You know, if I wouldn't have done that whole uh, piano circuit, the piano lounge thing, I, I would never have really been a good lead player. Just sitting there and comping chords, right? Jazz chords day in day out night after night for years gave me that solid sense of rhythm the chord structures and the melodies that would go over them and things like that i mean you can't be a you you know you can't be a a great lead player if you're not a great rhythm player and getting that foundation really launched my playing and i i would have never done that if it wasn't for music tech putting me in that class with that real book yeah, and like after years and years of doing it, you can pretty much anticipate where the chord changes are going and just like intuitively know, you know, it's it's pretty, pretty great feeling when that happens. To circle back to the pedal steel guitar, I, I was never a fan of country. I, I was back then. I, I wasn't into country. And at that time, you know, I was, you know, in the 90s. So, you know, you, you got Shania on the radio and all that kind of stuff you know that that kind of pre country pop type of era i guess yeah. you'd call it and oh, yeah. so it was just off my radar i just wasn't into that wasn't digging it being a younger guy with uh with the rock and roll background and i didn't listen to country at all until i a, a little i guess a little separate note is i've always been a huge neil young fan and Harvest is one of the greatest albums to me. And Ben Keith is easily my top favorite steel player. And that has always been real big in my uh, catalog of favorites. But I never listened to country in general. And I got a steel. And at that point, I had been through the rock and roll. I had been through the jazz. I had been through the classical and everything. 
and I my uh, I had a good friend, Brad Schaefer, ba uh, bass player, and he was the one that really nudged me to get into steel. And they had an outlaw country band, the Bootstrap Family Band, and I actually asked to join. Nice. <laughs> and I wasn't very good at the steel yet; I had just gotten it. And they had a residency, and they graciously let me play, and they took me down the whole classic country outlaw stuff that I never listened to and I wasn't real aware of because I grew up with that 90s stuff. Yeah. And it was so new and so fresh and something I've never tried to tackle before. And I'd been looking, I like challenges, you know, I, I yeah. like most of us musicians do. We want to challenge something to strive to achieve. And I just fell in love with all of this unbelievable music that was so fresh to me. Um, you know, with Waylon and Willie and, all, you know, all the greats like that, but I'm um, even deeper. And I just, I keep going back to, you know, suddenly I, I learned about Ernest Tubbs. Oh, yeah. And, and I was just like, man, I've been missing out for years. And I got to a certain point where pedal steel is rough. You know, they, they, there's a lot of sayings. They'll, they'll say, you got to suck for the first three years before. Uh, there's all sorts of sayings. And it's really, really... <laughs> You're right. they say, one of them one of them I read a lot is they say just give up now because you'll never actually learn it <laughs> Jesus. and it's true I, I don't think you ever actually can fully learn what the pedal steel has to offer there's so many possibilities with it with the with the different tunings and, um, the amount of strings and all that kind of stuff you could go on for days and it's not just a country instrument so to me I, I grabbed onto that and the sleepless nights started immediately. I mean, all I could think was I've got to climb this hill. I've got to climb this hill. I've got to climb this hill. And those guys, we did that gig. I did that gig with them for quite a while and I went down and I still miss it greatly. Um, a great group of guys. And so I didn't really do much country in the meantime after that. Um, kind of went off and did the blues thing with Eric for a while. And I'd kind of sprinkle in a little bit of pedal steel here and there. And a year and a half ago, I joined uh, a local tribute act called Girls Night Out. A tribute to the superstar women of country. And they, they do all that stuff I was just talking about. They're doing... Uh, it's three ladies up front and they're doing their Dolly or Shania or Reba type tunes um, they're going back and doing some of the Tammy Wynette and the classics and everything and again this is all music I never really listened to I, I didn't want to listen to it I don't cruise around listen to that kind of stuff so it's very fresh to me but I got an offer to play with this band um, and, and actually surprisingly enough it was my steel player who had quit and moved to Austin so suddenly, I had to fill the void of my teacher. Cool. Challenge accepted, right? Yeah. So I get there, and I'm thinking it's like all like that kind of like classic superstar women that I think of, like Dolly and Older. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I've never listened to a single Reba song. <laughs> I've never listened to, you know, Faith Hill or none of that. I So, you know, it helps if the song is in your head and you're already familiar yeah. with it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm like, oh man, what did I do? And I got to play a gig with them in like a month, just kind of like you're saying. And I ended up 
only getting one rehearsal in and it 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 still went well but i fell in love with all of that music that that era uh, pedal steel players with bruce bouton and um, paul franklin obviously was on pretty much all of it and everything yeah. it, it was great I, it, again i had been missing out on all this great playing and all in this chance to learn something great and new and I haven't looked back. I'm st- still playing with them, and I'm just loving it. So that got started in Hawaii, didn't it? The guy that invented the steel guitar? <laughs> yep, it was pretty much uh, mostly that C6 tuning that came out of Hawaii. Um, you know, there's definitely different versions of pedal steels. You know, it, go, it gets, you know, people, plenty of discussions on what the first pedal steel was and things like that. Um, I've been told quite a few times from players that have been around longer before me that uh, that the Fender series, you know, the Fender 400s with the eight strings and the Fender, um, you know, the Fender String Masters, which had no pedals or anything. Um, those, those Fender 400s, Fender 1000s, 2000s are still the most recorded steels. You know, that was really its first like steady, popular conception of a steel before the contemporary stuff came along in the mid 60s. Um, when it really started to get popular with uh, with the knee levers and everything like that, and um, it's but yeah, its roots started there in Hawaii. And it's weird to think that you take that Hawaiian music and it you know just transfer it into country. <laughs> you know, I, I guess not weird, but but you know, well, it kind of is an odd thing because I mean, the country they they took off with it, you know, like right, like they they literally adapted right to it it just felt, seemed like it fit for them really well right it did and uh so i'm not sure of the exact time but you know steel pedal steel really went down in popularity not a lot of people have been playing it and it gained a lot of popularity you know roughly in the last i don't know handful of years or something like that um five six years and i actually have a lot of players who are picking them up for me that are young that are you know like in their 20s and there's this whole movement of ambient music and they're actually just using it as a tool or a pad uh you know with their recording programs with all the different effects and things like that and they do some really great stuff It, it it sounds like a steel you know it's still sliding and moving like a steel, but they're using it as these ambient pads and these layers, kind of like the icing on the cake type of thing. And sort of meditation music type of stuff. Like. There's some of that too. Yep, some of that too. And it's been really great the way that they, this new generation, has taken this classic instrument, and it's just constantly evolving. I mean, it can do so many things other than just country music, Hawaiian. You know, jazz, it, I mean, it can really do anything you want to. And I actually do that a lot with Ty at the Omai Studios a lot of times. He'll just have me come in and just make a nice, thick pad. You know how, like, some songs have piano or organ, but you don't really know it unless you really pay close attention and pick it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ty will have me do that a lot with the steel stuff. Just give it a nice, just a nice layer right there in the middle to just smooth things out. Works great. So if anybody's interested in getting a hold of you, especially about the steel stuff, um, do you have a website and social media that you want to uh, tell us about? Yeah, I do have a website. Uh, 
pedalsteelrevival.com. And it's got uh, quite a bit of content on there. Uh, there's a buy page, and on the buy page right now, you can see what's for sale and what has sold. And if you go into those, even the, the sold ones, um, there's still a lot of great info um, and things you can read about those uh, particular steels. You can you know kind of learn a little bit about the brands. And a lot of times they will have links to my stories. And right now I've got a handful of stories on the site, which is kind of the, the big point of the site is to catalog these steels that I've picked up and refurbished and things like that. And to commemorate, commemorate the players that originally owned them. And that's the big thing Mel got me doing is, is the blogs and trying to keep a lot of these really important players whose memories need to be kept alive. And there'll be more and more as I go along. I've actually got a lot that I haven't got on there yet. Um, you know, it just takes a lot of time and the stories are ever evolving, you know, cause I end up selling these steals to, to new players and I keep them involved, you know, so I want this to be something that goes on through the generations. Yeah. So that preserve forever, preserve forever. So, you know, when I'm gone, they can look back and see that I had this guitar, what the story was at that time and then track it from there. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing your stories. And I think it's wonderful that you're uh, breathing new life into these steel guitars and uh, doing that whole thing. So, hey, you're welcome back anytime, and uh, we can catch up on what you're up to. Can't wait to do it again. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. See ya. Mm-hmm.